0: Yo, this is after Rose of Guns Roses.
1: Hey, this is Carmen Alexa.
0: Hi, this is Girl Strawberry.
1: What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal double G. Hi, this is Don Salad. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's
0: up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey,
1: yo, yo, yo.
0: Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot.
1: The Sports Beat. is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat.
0: Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge.
1: Welcome back to the show on the show today. I got the voice of the Columbus River Dragons and Columbus Chattahooch. Zach DeBozar, you know, Zach, I've been wanting to do a show with you for a while now, as I know that you are excited. The Columbus River Dragons defeated the Danbury hat tricks five to one to advance to the FPHL commissioners cup. Game one will be Friday night against the Watertown wolves. Have you gotten any sleep yet? I have gotten a
0: bit of sleep actually, which is surprising For this time of year, it feels like. Um, You know, there was a lot of stress in the office and I think amongst the fan base because while we were happy to secure that first round bye to get in the semifinals, it produced a lot of, well, what's going on? When are we playing? And we didn't really know because we didn't know who our opponent would be. Now, it's kind of nice that once our series finished up within, I would say, about an hour or so later, the Watertown Carolina series ended with Watertown winning, so we knew right away who we are playing, when the dates are going to be, and that's what we've been hard at work at is, you know, getting this building filled and having this place be packed out come Friday to uh, help support the boys try and win back-to-back league championships.
1: Now, Game 1 is Friday night against the Watertown Wolves that won the season series against Columbus 4-1. to You are playing at home. It's very important that we've got to get Game 1. Games two and games three will be up at Watertown, New York, on Sunday, May the 1st, and a game three, if necessary, on Monday. Hopefully, we don't have to get to a game three. We can close out and win back-to-back championships. I tell you, Zach, it is a great time to be a sports fan in the city of Columbus. I had a busy week myself. Called the Lions game on Saturday. I turned right around and saw the River Dragons defeat Danbury five to one. And a big shout out to the workers at the Columbus Civic Center. For turning around and getting rid of that turf so that way the River Dragons could play hockey.
0: Yeah, I think it was uh, two big events, the start times within like 23 hours or something like that, because we played Sunday at six, and I'm sure there was a, a seven o'clock or right around their kickoff. So, I mean, that's less than 24 hours to get a building, turn around, and get, you know, different sports in there to play important games, you know, us in the playoffs and the Lions starting their season. So it was, uh, it was a big deal and obviously very successful because both teams won. And, uh, Uh, you know for us now it's kind of nice because with the Lions going away for a little bit on bye and on a road trip uh, we're exclusively focused on this final week of the season like you said Monday uh, I believe it's the May 2nd is the game three potentially final and you know from here until that Monday that's all the focus is on just getting hockey done winning these games trying to bring back a championship and uh, you know it's nice to have that sort of I guess I want to say Zen where, you know, there's always some chaos going around because it seems like there's always multiple sports happening in Columbus and it just happens to work out right now where we're focusing on the river dragons. We're going at it. And you know, we're, we're two wins away from a championship.
1: It was exciting. I was glad that I was able to go to my first river dragons game that I haven't been to since 2019 but it seemed like the River Dragons controlled that game from the puck drop all the way to the end of the game, defeating Danbury five to one. But most importantly, getting quick goals. MJ Graham got the first goal. I believe McBurney had some incredible saves. I heard you on the broadcast. Of course, you know I have a young one. We didn't stay for the entire game. Listen to you on the radio, as always. You do an outstanding job. It's just that smooth flow of the game, Zach, because you're from the North and you played hockey and you're from Michigan, you know, hockey. And so it's great that you can educate a lot of people in the South that probably aren't too familiar with hockey because they didn't grow up on the ice.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, uh, that's, that's my goal when, when I go and I take the air, you know, you can be the most longtime fan of of any particular sport and there's always a chance you're going to be seeing something different, something new, something you've never seen before. And again, whether you're that longtime fan or maybe this is your first ever time experiencing the sport and maybe you catch a one in a thousand thing, you know, I want to make sure that each moment is captured in its own, you know, right light and be able to, Be accessible for everybody. You know, I try not to do like the inside baseball speak, like they say, where it's like, oh, you got to be a long time listener to get this joke or to get this reference. You know, it's you try and be, you know, just upfront and make sure everything is known. That way, whether someone's experiencing their first hockey game or their millionth hockey game, Uh, You know, they're having a good time. They're listening in and they are well informed because on YouTube, they have the aid of vision. But on radio, especially, you know, you are their voice because there's no visual element. You're basically the guide dog that leads the blind person wherever it might be. You know, you got to take that role seriously and be alert and, you know, really paint a good picture. And that's, you know, what I strive to do anytime I'm on the game. Uh, on the note of that game, though, I mean, yeah, the River Dragons played extremely well. Bailey McBurney has been an absolute rock for us from, I would say, probably the month of January on. You could just tell he's, he was going to be the workhorse. He was going to be the guy that... Jerome Bichard went back to between the pipes. And as long as you got solid goaltending, you know, you're going to give yourself a chance against whatever opponent. And McBurney's really done a good job in getting us that. And the rest of the guys around him played very well. Obviously getting that first goal was huge. And, you know, I, I think once you really break this series down, you put a little bit under a magnifying glass, what it looked like, especially from Danbury's perspective. I mean, I just have to believe they ran out of gas. Uh, the FPHL schedule was not kind to them at the end of the year because they had to play a three and three at the end of the season, and then the playoffs started basically within two days after the season ended. So they jumped right from the last three and three of the year into a three game set where they had multiple overtime games. They had two of the three games go to overtime against Binghamton in that first round, and like by the time that game in Columbus got done to send the river dragons through. I think the hat tricks played something like eight games in 11 days or something like that, which is just such a breakneck pace. And it's, you know, it's difficult. I mean, you have to play the schedule that's in front of you. I mean, you can't help but feel, man, how tired must those guys have been? I mean, and they gave themselves every chance they could. Peter DeSalvo, their goalie didn't play in game one to try and get him more rest for game two. And the whole team actually flew from Danbury. I, I guess they would probably fly like Hartford or one of the New York airports to Atlanta and then there. So most of their travel was through the airways, but you know, they gave themselves every advantage they could. They knew where we they were against the eight ball. And you know, you got to give them credit because they didn't exactly roll over and die. They they fought the River Dragons tooth and nail through those two games. It just I think you could tell the more rested team was going to have a significant advantage, and Columbus made sure they didn't really have a chance to get in it.
1: Let's talk about the 1-2 playoff format. Columbus did have the home ice against Danbury, but it was a huge win on Friday night for Columbus to go up to Danbury. They were down by two goals, but they put on a scoring barrage and they won the game 7-4, but it was very important for them to get that road victory, and so that gives Columbus two chances to advance. But they lock it up on Sunday, and they are now playing the Watertown Wolves this Friday night in the Federal Prospects Hockey League's Commissioners Cup. What are your thoughts about this upcoming series with Watertown, and what are some of the key matchups?
0: So, I mean, Watertown, uh, I think you said it earlier, you know, we lost the season series to them. They, they won four of the five games. They're the number one seed for a reason. They've been dominant all year. But I mean, what you can take with you as some, you know, good talking points for the Dragon side of things is they won the last game of the season series against Watertown and the games they played here in really any game they played outside of the Saturday in Watertown that finished nine, nothing was competitive. It was back and forth and it, it always stayed within a, a good score line where the River Dragons can bounce back. You know, what we saw in Danbury, that five goals in five minutes barrage, eh, that doesn't happen in the playoffs. That was absolutely catching lightning in a bottle. And you'd be hard pressed to believe something like that is going to happen against the Watertown Wolves. When you look at the different matchups, I have to believe in the goaltending department, you got to favor the River Dragons because Bailey McBurney, the FPHL goaltender of the year, first team all FPHL. Now, He's going up against a very good netminder the other side, and Adam Bukaboom, who's been the Watertown goaltender so far, and in the two games against Carolina, has only given up two goals. But I think over a bigger body of work, especially in the FPHL level, you know, you have to look at Bailey McBurney there. After that, I mean, you look at the depth of Columbus, and I like them there. But you look at the top end of Watertown, and I mean, they can put out a power play unit of five different guys who would be number one line players in any other team in this league. You know, Justin McDonald, who is the league MVP, Alexander Jamea, Ahmad Mafuz who leads seemingly every category in the FPHL, goals, assists, penalty minutes in regular season and playoffs, because he's been playing in this league for so darn long. He's basically you know, a living legend on the Mount Rushmore of the FPHL. Um, and, and then you've got so many other guys, too, Colin Chamelka, Jimmy Lodge. I mean, at the very top, Watertown should absolutely be crushing everybody but that's the thing hockey is such a team game and i think especially in the danbury series you saw columbus's depth really show off watertown was getting their goals against carolina from the usual suspects jamaeff mcdonald mafuz the river dragons got goals yeah from austin doe and josh petre antonio they were also getting goals from alex Storjehan, joe smith Kirk Underwood, guys who, you know, scrap on the third line, maybe the 10th forward roll and are just hungry to get in the game and they're fine in the back of the net too. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. It's going to be like that depth versus star power thing. And I'm not saying the River Dragons don't have star power, but I mean, anybody can look at the lineups and look and see there's a lot more heavy hitters on Watertown side but I think there's a lot more consistent players on Columbus's side. So it's going to make that that
1: that particular dynamic very interesting when you really break it down. So clearly the Watertown Wolves are the favorites because they are the number one seed. But the way the playoff format goes, Columbus will host game one at the Columbus Civic Center. Very important they come off to a hot start and they get game one. But any chance – I know, Zach, you're going to make the trip up to Watertown to call Games 2 and Games 3, which hopefully we'll have a watch party back here in Columbus. Definitely be watching you on YouTube and hearing the broadcast on 106.9 and WQEE 99.1 FM, The Key. But in your mind, I know being the play-by-play announcer for the Columbus River Dragons, you are also a fan. I know that you are pulling for Columbus. If we get Game 1, what are the chances that Columbus can steal a game up in Watertown – and win the Commissioners' Cup?
0: I mean, I think they're very good. I think game one, it's always so important in a series, but especially the shorter the series is, the more magnified game one is. In a best-of-seven, you could survive losing a game one because you have so many more games to go in terms of winning that. You win game one, you're halfway there, and then all it takes is 60 more minutes of hockey, be it on the Sunday or Monday uh, to get it done for whoever wins game one. Obviously, the Dragons will have that advantage of playing at home, playing in friendly confines, loud arena behind them. And the Wolves are going to have to travel that, you know, 1,000, 1,100, whatever mileage it is, you know, and they've got to take care of themselves and do what they think they can do best to set themselves up in a position to win that game. Because while Watertown has been darn near unbeatable at home the fact of the matter is they're not perfect especially down the stretch we saw as they were resting guys they have some cracks in the armor and you know the last time columbus was up in watertown it was late november we were talking about thanksgiving dinner that seems so long ago and now the river dragons are just such a more refined team they have their identity and you have to believe if you run this back to go to Watertown, yes, one game is absolutely stealable if you're able to take game one. But, I mean, two games isn't even out of the question. A- as long as there's, you know, a cup to be played for and, and ice to be had, you know, the River Dragons are going to be scrapping tooth and nail to come out and, and try and win any game they possibly can, no matter the circumstance. And just, the, the, again, it, it breaks down so many different ways. And yeah, Watertown's going to have the home ice advantage. But I mean, Columbus knows what's in front of them. They have veterans who have been in the situation before. Jay Krupp and Josh Petra Antonio have each won championships uh, in this league. You've got an NHL guy in Ian White, who's gone very deep in the NHL playoffs before. So there's a lot of leadership in that room that regardless of how game one goes, you know, the Dragons will not be in dire straits when they go up to Watertown. They won't be too high. They won't be too low. They know there's a job to do. And ideally, They don't leave the state of New York without a trophy on the bus on the way back.
1: So you come back to Columbus after traveling with the team all season long, a very well-rested week off. You'll have to travel up to Watertown for one final time. Your final broadcast for the River Dragons will be this Monday, May the 2nd. But you have a little bit of a break, and then we go into baseball season, the second season of the Columbus Chattahoots. And, of course, you are also the voice of, of the Columbus Chattahoots, which made it to the Sunbelt League championship game last year, where they lost to the Alpharetta Aviators. I know it's a month away, Zach, but what are you looking forward to about the Chattahoots baseball season in their second season in the Sunbelt League?
0: Well, I think I'm just excited to see how Steve Smith can, you know, really bring his philosophy and what he wants in a program – uh, into its second year, you know, obviously uh, a college woodbat team that's really only together for a couple of months. And even then is a mishmash of guys from different college teams and all over different places, you know, it, it can be tough to really set a good standard set a chemistry and, and a program standard. But, uh, you know, he I thought he did a very good job, especially down the stretch. I, I mean, the Chattahoots, first of all, being the first six seed to go to the championship series in the Sunbelt League, it was already historic in and of itself. And, I mean, it was a run that, you know, you could argue nobody really saw coming. Being in the the wild card game that season, the one game, do or die, against a team that had swept the season series against you, you know, I think a lot of people might have thought, all right, Columbus is going to go up to Kennesaw State for a mercy killing. And Columbus flipped that script. And then once you get hot in the playoffs, you know, the sky's the limit, really. And, you know, it took them all the way to the finals and just – you know, came up one series short. So there's a lot to build on from that. And, you know, Steve Smith and uh, some, there's some guys returning, not only coaches, but also players as well. And we'll have more details in the roster and and who's committed and all that once we get out of hockey season, for sure. But, um, you know, there's just so much, in regards to that that they're able to build on. If a first year program can get all the way to the championship round, who knows what a second year program with a lot of key places and things figured out already going into the season, you know, basically you're starting at the start line with everybody else. You're not starting a couple paces back being that
1: first year team. So I'm I'm very excited for it. Of course the home opener will be June the fourth against the Chocolaca Monsters. Also a team from Ignite Sports and that will be at Historic Golden Park. Zach, I know you are excited about this upcoming Chattahoots baseball season. You Zach, I really appreciate you being on the show. I mean, as far as you as a play-by-play announcer, that you call two of the four professional sports teams in Columbus. I'm just privileged that I could be the voice of the Columbus Rapids and also the color commentator for the Columbus Lions. So between you and I and Jared, we all have the professional sports in Columbus covered.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know it's been great to see since I arrived in 2019. You know, it it was just the Lions, and just in a quick you know three four years, Columbus has really built itself up as a sports haven. And as it should be, you know, there's a deep sports history in this town and there's great local sports. Obviously, the high school uh, scene is very strong. And I know not technically Columbus, but like over the way, Phoenix City Central and all the different Alabama high schools also factor into this whole Chattahoochee Valley area that's, you know, so very good for local sports and now you're seeing it in a way start to push up and the success of, of organizations like we're seeing, you know, in here at ignite, especially, you know, having the two teams and being able to expand to a third, like you said, with Chocolata, uh, it's, it, it, it's incredible. And it just shows that, you know, a couple of years sounds like a long time, but it's really not. Because I'm sure plenty of people listening in and, and thinking of Columbus from the high school level, Having, you know, all these great programs and, you know, you go over the border over into Alabama and the Chattahoochee Valley in general, you know, you're seeing the sort of push up that this success and, and pedigree of of local sports has been allowed to manifest as the different organizations here. And I know here at Ignite, you know, to be able to have two sports teams in Columbus representing different major sports and then being able to expand out into a third team in Oxford, Alabama you know, it's, it's big and it just shows, you know, when people care about sports, care about things locally, you know, they can have something that they can call their own. And, you know, we're proud to do our part uh, on that particular side. And, you know, I, I'm not a native Columbusite I'm a transplant, but uh, you know, whether you are native or whether you're somebody who's just come in, whether it's through military or through a job or through something else, you know, it's good to see something like this, a city on the rise that, you know, is really caring about its local community aspect of it. And uh, it's just
1: really fun to be a part of it and to be able to see it grow. Well, we're glad that you're here in the city of Columbus, Zach, you've made Columbus your home as you adopted it as your second home. You originally from Michigan. I know you're a big hockey fan uh, that you're a fan of the Detroit Red Wings. Unfortunately, they're not having the greatest season. It looks like, you know, they've been eliminated from the NHL playoffs, but, as we look at the NHL playoffs starting up, do you have a favorite two teams, one out of the Eastern Conference and one out of the Western Conference that you think could make the Stanley Cup finals? Oh man, that's
0: that's a tough one because, you know, there's it, it, it's been a, a pretty crazy time in in the Stanley Cup playoffs recently. Uh it feels like we went from an era in like the early 2010s where it was like these own like little like super dynasties, you know, we'd always be hearing about the Kings and the Hawks and the Penguins and the Bruins. And, and now it just seems like whoever gets hot, whoever's got a team gets built. I mean, you look when Vegas first arrived, they made it to a cup final. The Capitals won a cup. Finally, the blues won a cup after a long time. So, I mean, it's really anybody's guess. Uh, I personally Really like seeing the rise of the New York Rangers in the East. I mean, Chris Kreider's scoring 50 goals this season. I think if you hadn't been following hockey very closely for the last two years, you would say, wait, what? That guy's scoring 50 goals? But it's true. Um, You know, he's really turned into a really big guy for the Rangers in in such a strong market. You know, they love their hockey. They love their Rangers there. And, you know, I, I have to really look at a team like that and say, you haven't been there for a bit, but they've got some pieces that have been there for a while. Are they the ones that can dethrone a Tampa Bay who's looking for, you know, a three-peat, the back-to-back-to-back? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I'm the one who kind of likes If it's not my team with the dynasty winning all the championships, I like to see a lot of turnover, a lot of parity. Um, so I would look at that, the New York Rangers. And then, I mean, the Florida Panthers have really come out of nowhere, too. So that's two contenders in the East that aren't named Tampa Bay which obviously a lot of people are going to say well they're going to be the favorite because they've got the last two Stanley Cups. Over in the West, I don't really know what I want out of the West. I just want one thing and that's for Calgary and Edmonton to match up in what I think would be the Pacific Division Final because I think they're 1-2 right now. As long as we get that, I mean, I'm I'm going to be happy with whatever happens out of the West because the Colorado avalanche are very good. And they're Mm -hmm. a team that it seems like every year, Oh, this is their year. The window is open to win a cup. And then something goes wrong at some point in the playoffs and they get themselves knocked out and everyone wonders, Oh, it's going to happen. Is the team going to stay together? And they kept it together, but this is, I, I think probably about three, maybe four years in a row where it's like, okay, this feels like the avalanche window. And you know, as far as the championship windows in pro sports, how much longer do you really get after three, four years in terms of guys needing contracts, staying under salary cap, all that sort of stuff. So I think the West could be wide open, but I really just want to see Calgary and Edmonton go at it. Just the battle of Alberta two fierce rivals i think that's going to be the most entertaining hockey if we get that series out of the west and then you know if if you're forcing me to to give a prediction you know i'm gonna go ahead and say fine this is the year colorado gets there and i'll throw in you know what why not let's just throw it in a repeat of the 96 final let's go colorado over florida but to keep with the narrative that i just produced Let's have Florida win it. I don't know if they'll sweep Colorado like Colorado did to them in 96. Let's say Florida flips the script from 1996, and we get a repeat of that final, but maybe it's the Panthers winning. I haven't done too much looking into it, but just knowing who's on top and seeing the games that I've been able to see, you know, I know those two are, are, are going to be heavy hitters when it comes to playoff time. Wow,
1: so Zach is picking Florida. I mean, it's a pretty good pick. They have one of the best records in the NHL. I mean, Zach, I'm a hockey fan, but I didn't grow up on the ice. I grew up a San Jose Sharks fan coming up from the San Francisco Bay area. And of course, I've lived here in Georgia since 2006. Still a little bit bitter that the Thrashers left in 2011. I tell you, if you are a hockey fan in the Southeast, I mean, obviously we're going to follow the River Dragons and we have diehard River Dragons fans here in the Chattahoochee Valley. But if you're going to follow an NHL team, I'm wondering if we would pick the geographical angle. Like, the nashville predators or the carolina hurricanes there's really not an nhl team that geographically would be even close to the metro atlanta area
0: yeah it's a tough little void because obviously there was the thrashers and back in the 80s the atlanta flames so oh yeah you know having the fact that there was teams there and now that are not really puts that little black hole you know in the map in terms of the NHL and where they're looking at. So yeah, it it is tough. And in a similar fashion, you know, not to change sports or change topics, but growing up in Michigan, you know, I'm a big soccer guy, but there's no MLS team in Detroit. We have Detroit City FC who actually shout out to them knocked out the Columbus Crew and MLS team in the Open Cup, but oh wow. Um, you know, there's no team around. You, you either got to look at like Toronto FC, Columbus Crew or Chicago Fire and those are all you know, four or five, six hours away. So, you know, I, I can sympathize with that. And that's, you know, it's, it's a tough spot to be in, but what it does allow for in the same way that Detroit City FC is very uh, up and very uh, well supported, at least at a local level, is having that with the River Dragons, with the Chattahoots and all the different teams here in Columbus, just because, you know, maybe there is a pro team in this sport in Atlanta. Maybe someone doesn't want to drive the two hours and deal with Atlanta traffic. You know, their home team is right here. They can get that, you know, for a, a great value to bring the whole family out and keep it within their own backyard and keep it at home. And, you know, I, I think that's a, that's, that's a little advantage of it when you really break it down and, and why, why areas like this can be really successful with the low-level sports.
1: I know you're a big hockey fan. Growing up in Michigan, uh, you are a Detroit sports fan, so you like the Red Wings, Tigers, Lions, you know, Two of those three. Three of
0: those four, I'll give you. Uh, Red Wings and Tigers, absolutely. The Pistons, uh, I'll follow them every now and again. I do like that they're building around Cade Cunningham, but uh, I made a conscious decision as a sports fan to not support the Detroit Lions. I'm
1: actually a diehard Indianapolis Colts fan. Okay. Yeah, that's good there. I mean, you know, the Lions, what they did to Matthew Stafford, not giving him any help. You let a Hall of Fame quarterback and a Hall of Fame wide receiver three playoff appearances no playoff wins since 1991 had a hall of fame running back i mean i can understand why you would uh, stop following the lions uh, (laughs) but i gotta tell you because i i'm a big sports documentary fan i used to hate the detroit pistons as a kid i grew up rooting for the chicago bulls Ah. i mean we we all did i mean i grew up for the golden state warriors but in school junior high and high school we loved michael jordan the pistons were the villain but now (laughs) i look back and I actually liked what the Pistons were all about. The bad boys with Isaiah Thomas, Bill Ambeer, John Sally. You had Rick Mahorn. You had Vinnie Johnson, the microwave. I know there was probably before your time, but do you hear stories about how great the bad boys were? I mean, it's a little bit before my time, especially the height of the
0: Bad Boys versus the Like Mike era. But I will say, no, just growing up in Detroit, you see all the old footage, you you watch everything. And, you know, I, I will say when that Michael Jordan documentary came out, Everyone was like, oh, my God, look at it. It's so amazing. And there's a lot of people I know back at home were like, you know, those Detroit Pistons were not exactly in the in the greatest delight in this documentary. And, you know, there's two sides to every story like it always is. But, I mean, that's just the thing. It was a different era. I think it was an era where people looked at it. Basketball was a little more rough and tumble, and, and it was fun. And, you know, the guys got into it. They got they, – you just could tell the passion was there. On the floor. And I'm not saying you don't have that now. There's a heightened class in the NBA right now where, you know, these, they're amazing athletes, but it just, it feels like it's a different, you know, it's not the basketball you're used to seeing if you grew up watching that era of basketball. There are going to be basketball fans now, you know, they're going to love this era and maybe somehow it changes and they're going to reminisce about all the stuff that, you know, LeBron and Curry and all them are doing. But You know, for old school basketball fans, they might look at it and go, oh man, it's gotten a little ticky tack and soft. And then they'll pull up some old Bulls Pistons highlights or Lakers Celtics highlights and, you know, just really start to get nostalgic for it. So, It's just a thing where, you know, times change, sports evolve. Even in hockey, we've had that too, where, you know, you look at a game in the 90s versus a game now in 2022. Man, it's way different. The goal's still the same. Put the puck in the goal more times than the other team. But, man, it's just way different in techniques, in strategies, what you can get away with. uh, And it's just – it's interesting. And it gives that little nostalgic filter to it, I think, too.
1: Well, Zach, before we close the show, I I really enjoyed you being a guest on the podcast. And I know that you being a play-by-play announcer, but you also have a passion for just talking sports. I mean, we definitely have to get you your own radio show. Oh, wait, that did happen right before the pandemic. (laughs) I I miss those days when you uh, had your own Monday slot on 95.7 ESPN radio. (laughs) You really had a passion for this, and I hope that returns someday.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, you know, it's just one of those things, if it's in the cards, it's in the cards. So there's weeks like this where I couldn't imagine doing anything else because I'm so busy. And then there's other weeks in the off season where, yeah, doing something like that could be a lot of fun. And, you know, you you just you mix it up with callers and you give in some takes. But the only caller that I really remember from that show was a guy who thought I was completely off my rocker for saying, Ohio State was going to beat Clemson in the playoff semifinal that year, and when Clemson beat Ohio State, because I was so confident on them, I had to eat it. I had to take it from this guy who's like, "Ah, I'm right," you know. We'll see. But then I doubled downed on it, and I said, "All right, I still don't believe in Clemson." I say LSU is going to beat Clemson, and they're going to beat them by double digits, and that just set everybody in a tizzy.
1: But I do believe LSU won that championship game by like 17 points, so of at least I got
0: one thing right in the end.
1: Of course. I mean, if you're a diehard Clemson fan, you're going to think that Trevor Lawrence was invincible. But yeah, (laughs) those were good days uh, right before the pandemic. 95.7 ESPN Radio, Uh, you had your time slot on Mondays, and I I hope that that happens for you again. Uh, Zach, like I said, I mean, it's an honor to have you on my podcast as I'm trying to grow my podcast. I've had it for about two years now. It's just a small podcast dedicated to Columbus sports, and I really appreciate you talking River Dragons and Shadow Hoots with me, and we'll look forward to hearing you on the call Friday night as the Columbus River Dragons will take on the Watertown Wolves in Game 1 of the FPHL Commissioners' Cup Final.
0: All right. Well, thanks Thanks so much for having me,
1: Richard. It was a lot of fun, and uh, yeah, we'll see everyone Friday. Let's go, Dragons. All right, that was Zach DeBozart, the play-by-play announcer for your Columbus River Dragons and Columbus Chatterhoots. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe.
0: You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found.